Welcome to the Bob Harden Show, bringing you news and commentary to keep you informed and enjoying life on the Paradise Coast. And now, here's your host, Bob Harden. Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning. Johnson's Air Conditioning is Naples' longest established air conditioning company. They do great work. You can find out more and give them a call. The website is johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. We have a terrific show for you today, and we have a, a special guest, Andrew Joppa, professor and author of Josepha Savaz. We'll be talking about his three latest columns. So interesting. Raising the question, uh, if the GOP doesn't win in 2022, then what? That and more we'll be talking about as well. It is August the 24th, and on this day in 1814, during the war of 1812 between the United States and England, British troops entered Washington, D.C. and burned the White House in retaliation for the American attack on the city of York in Ontario, Canada. That happened in June of 1813. When the British arrived at the White House, they found that President James Madison and his First Lady Dolly had already fled to safety in Maryland. Soldiers reportedly sat down to eat a meal made of leftover food from the White House scullery, using White House dishes and silver before ransacking the presidential mansion and setting it ablaze. According to the White House Historical Society and Dolly's personal letters, President James Madison had left the White House on August the 22nd to meet his generals on the battlefield, just as British troops threatened to enter the capital. Before leaving, he asked of his wife, Dolly, if she had the courage or firmness to wait for his intended return the next day. He asked her to uh, gather important state papers and be prepared to abandon the White House at any moment. The next day, Dolly and a few servants scanned the horizon with those spy glasses, waiting for either Madison or the British Army to show up. <clears throat> As uh, British soldiers gathered in the distance, Dolly decided to abandon the couple's personal belongings and instead save a full-length portrait of former President George Washington from his desecration. Uh, Dolly wrote to his sister on the night of August 23rd of the difficulty involved in saving the painting. Since the portrait was screwed to the wall, she ordered the uh, frame to be broken and canvas pulled out and rolled up. Two unidentified gentlemen of New York hustled it away for safekeeping. Now, unbeknownst to her, the portrait was actually a copy of uh, Gilbert Stewart's original. The task complete, Dolly wrote, and now, dear sister, I must leave this house or the retreating army will make me a prisoner in it, uh, in it by filling the road I am directed to take. Dolly left the White House and found her husband at the predetermined meeting place in the middle of a, a thunderstorm. Although President Madison and his wife were uh, able to return to Washington only three days later when British troops had moved on. They never lived in the White House. Madison served for the rest of his term, residing in the city of Octagon House, the city's Octagon House, I should say. <clears throat> it was not until 1817 that the newly elected President James Monroe moved back into the reconstructed building. Can you imagine burning the White House to the ground? That actually, The White House actually contained the uh, Library of Congress as well. That was totally destroyed as well. Well, a lot's happened in our history, as you can see. Uh, let's talk a little bit about the local elections. Of course, uh, Byron Donalds won his primary for Congress by a uh, whopping, uh, he gained over 80% of the vote. District 4 candidate Dan Cole uh, won his sweeping victory with 42% of the vote in Tuesday's Republican primary. 
uh, while District 2 candidate Chris Hall won his race with 50.2% of the vote in this primary. Cole received 40,373 votes, defeating his top rival opponent, incumbent Penny Taylor, by 18.7%, advancing to the general election in November in a write-in uh, against a write-in candidate. Hall will face uh, Democrat B.B. Cantor in November. So uh, looks like the uh, school, the uh, Collier County Commissioner races are uh, set going into November. School board races will be decided in November. Uh, District 1 incumbent uh, Jory Westbury is to face Jerry Rutherford in the general election. <clears throat> Interesting enough, Westbury is the incumbent but uh, lost to Rusford in, the, in this primary here. But nevertheless, they'll face off in November. And then District 3, incumbent Jen Mitchell and Kelly Lichter head off, headed for a runoff. Kelly uh, had more votes than Jen Mitchell, however, uh, in the uh, runoff. So we'll see how that all turns out. Alfie Oaks, who owns Oaks Farms, was at his business seat to table Tuesday night, last night, for the election party with various candidates he endorsed. Uh, those candidates included Cole, School board candidates Tim Mosher, Kelly Lichter, Jerry Rutherford, and uh, Collier Judge candidate Chris Brown. Uh, Oaks uh, said that uh, he, his election represents the seed-to-table sweep. <laughs> so, <laughs> nevertheless, his candidates all won. Uh, other notable Florida races, uh, America First Representative Matt Gates on Tuesday night successfully fended off a primary challenge from Mark Lombardo. Uh, Chris, uh, Charlie Crist, well, apparently that's according to projections, maybe not final yet. Uh, Charlie Crist and Wilton Simpton, Simpson, Simpson's running for agricultural commissioner, uh, to replace Nikki Haley, uh, Nikki Freed, I'm sorry, Nikki Freed. Charlie Crist beat uh, Nikki Freed in their primary race, so he'll go on to face up against uh, DeSantis uh, for in November for the governorship. Anna Paula Luna and Corey Mills were victorious in the primary congressional races. Florida flipped multiple major school boards from liberal to conservative uh, in continuing a nationwide trend of parents uh, taking back control of school boards. Apparently there's five major school boards, one in Florida, thanks, I think, in a large part to the work of DeSantis and, of course, Byron Donalds as well. Florida School Board elections have now been a major political battleground this uh, session with uh, names like Governor DeSantis and Byron Donalds' endorsements and joining the campaign trail. Nationally, uh, Representative Jerry Nadler handily defeated Representative Carolyn Maloney in New York's marquee Democrat primary Tuesday, bringing to a close the heated race of the two New Yorkers. Well, of course, they lost a, a House seat, and the two had to run against each other. It's just amazing to me how they could have two such terrible candidates. One of them won, <clears throat> unbelievably. So uh, uh, that the, they determined the Democrat outcome, and of course that's Jerry Nadler. And speaking of Mike Ga uh, Mark, um, Matt Gates, a man was sentenced to more than five years in prison on Monday for attempting to extort $25 million from the family of Republican Florida Representative Matt Gates, uh, you may recall that they were trying to trash Matt at the time. Well, uh, he ended up uh, <laughs> he ended up uh, surviving the attack, and the man that did this justice finally served five years in prison for trying to extort the money. Well, the misery index is stacking up to be bad news for Democrats in the midterms. A new study by uh, Bloomberg Economics takes one gauge. With a knack of predicting ballot outcomes, the misery index 
calculated by adding up the inflation and unemployment rates and projects it forward through the election day. Based on past voting patterns, President Joe Biden's party can expect to lose 30 to 40 seats in the House, according to this index, and a few in the Senate, too, easily wiping out razor-thin Democrat majorities. Now, the suffering index, that's the uh, also come in at record highs. It's worse than ever, uh, on the, uh, even under the pandemic, which is saying something. The percentage of Americans who evaluate their lives poorly enough to be considered suffering on the Gallup's Life Evaluation Index was 5.6% in July. That's the highest since the index inception in 2008. This exceeds the previous high of 4.8% measured in April and is statistically higher than all the prior estimates in the COVID-19 era. Along uh, Across extensive measurements since January the 8th, the suffering percentage has reached 4.5% or higher on only a handful of occasions. So... Uh, Again, things aren't stacking up well for the Democrats. And nevertheless, they continue to brag about uh, the cost of gasoline going down. Uh, they don't have a lot to uh, crow about, quite frankly, because I, I, as an American, can't think of one thing this administration has done to make uh, our lives better. Saying something, isn't it? Senator Raphael Warnock, a Democrat from Georgia, spent over $61,000 in campaign funds to pay for child support. This is the guy who's running against Herschel Walker for the Senate. The payments have not been without issue, however, as Warnock's ex-wife has sued the Democrat to modify the custody agreements with their children, as well as alleging Warnock has failed and refused to reimburse her for child care expenses. The Georgia Democrat allegedly has been using his campaign fund uh, to fund his child care expenses since 2020, but appears to have stopped for a year after taking office in 2021. After she filed the complaint, which has also cited his increased income due to becoming a senator, Warnock resumed to pay for child care out of the campaign's pocket. Can you believe that? Since 2020, uh, Warnock's campaign has spent a total of $61,959.40 on child care, according to FEC filings. Child care payments are allowed by the FEC, but typically for like an overnighter going to travel with the kids to a, a campaign event or something like that. According to the Atlanta Const Journal-Constitution, Warnock's spokesperson Meredith Basher said the senator is a devoted father who is proud to continue to co-parent his two children as he works for the people in Georgia. While he's been accused in the past of diverting campaign funds to pay for personal expenses, Warnock allegedly spent a little time with his children when he has le left them, leaving with nannies. As uh, uh, the Peach Street Democrat used campaign funds for, to pay for legal expenses in a personal lawsuit, apparently when he was a minister, I'd like to know the details on that, Warnock used campaign funds to cover the legal expenses for a lawsuit relating to his time in his church in 2005. The case was filed in 2019 by Atlanta resident Melvin Robertson. The FEC allows campaign money to be spent on litigation expenses, but this is certainly uh, for things that involve being in office and certainly not for uh, personal use. Those developments come as Warnock is running for a full six-year term in Georgia, a race certain to be one of the most highly contested watched in uh, 2022 midterms. So Warnock certainly has a tarnished image, and there's more. Uh, Warnock recently sounded the alarm on big corporations buying up swaths of homes in his state. However, he's taken campaign donations from Wall Street executives as a private equity firm engaged in that very practice. Talk about hypocrisy. 
Warnock's campaign has raked in almost $38,000 since 2020 from executives at Blackstone, a Wall Street firm with roughly $130 billion market cap, buying up homes in Georgia and across the U.S., uh, at the same time, Warnock said in July at a, at a hearing in Georgia that in the middle of a housing crisis and raising concerns over large institutional investors, which uh, some experts say are driving up the rent prices and displacing minority communities, Georgians don't have the luxury of waiting several years for home prices and rents to fall, the senator said in a July Senate Banking Committee hearing, which addressed corporate investor buying up homes in Georgia and raising property costs. Unbelievable. <clears throat> I think we need to research, uh, research to effectively understand how private equity is impacting markets in Atlanta and Georgia and across the country. And I look forward to introducing legislation very soon to address this very issue. Meanwhile, he's raking in thousands for his campaign from the very people he's accusing of abusing uh, the property values of uh, black people in Atlanta. Unbelievable. Well, the, he certainly creates, uh, currently has a lead against Walker, but this, I think, uh, creates, uh, I think, uh, some useful information for Walker to use, Herschel Walker to use against Warnock. The guy is obviously a crook. Certainly, if this isn't against the law, it's certainly morally wrong. This segment of the show brought to you by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning, Naples' longest established air conditioning company. Visit johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also by Life in Naples magazine, be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. Coming up, Andrew Joppa, professor and author of Josephus of Oz. That and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. I'm Bob Harden, the host of The Bob Harden Show. One of my favorites for breakfast or lunch is Lulabee's Diner, providing great service, fabulous food, and a rockin' good time. Lulabee's Diner is a throwback to the 60s, complete with great music and a fabulous 60s decor. What I like best is a blend of great food, great value, and terrific service. Most of the friendly waitstaff has been part of Lulabee's for years. I enjoy the great choices for breakfast and lunch, and you'll find the menu has everything and anything to satisfy your taste. Lulabee's offers catering, party platters, lunch boxes, and more. Lulabee's Diner will quickly become one of your favorites for breakfast or lunch. No reservations are needed. Check out the website at lulabees.com and stop by Lulabee's Diner, open from 8 a.m. until 2 p.m., seven days a week. Lulabee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center at the corner of Immokalee and Airport Pulling Roads. Stop by Lulabee's Diner for fabulous food and for a forever cool rockin' good time. Collier County Sheriff Kevin Rambaugh says the number one reason the elderly become victims is isolation. The Collier Senior Center goes a long way in keeping seniors connected with the community and with each other. The Collier Senior Center, located at 4898 Coronado Parkway in Golden Gate, provides comprehensive information regarding services and resources that affect the quality of life of older adults and their caregivers in Collier County, empowering them to maintain independent and meaningful lives. Here's Esther Lully, director of Collier Senior Center. 
everyone. Every senior is welcome. There's diversity there. It's vibrant. It's a caring atmosphere. So there's a reason we offer the services and programs that we do. We want to help enrich the lives of senior members and provide support to their caregivers. Want to find out more? Visit CollierSeniorCenter.org. That's CollierSeniorCenter.org. Or call the Collier Senior Center at 239-252-4541. That's 252-4541. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Choice Social. Choice Social is a new, refreshing social networking platform, and you can download the app and uh, also find out more by visiting choicesocial.us. We have with us Andrew Joppa, professor and author of Josepha Savaz, a terrific read off topic for today's conversation. But Andy, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Good morning, Andy. So, uh, any comments at all about the election results last night? Oh, yeah, I have several. Um, let me just start out with the one that's probably the good news and the bad news. Uh, first place, the, the good news. Carolyn Maloney in the New York City District lost. And, of course, that automatically <clears throat> created the bad news, which is that Jerry Nadler won. It, it was very interesting. If you, <clears throat> Excuse me, my voice is really <clears throat> shoddy this morning, Bob. Uh, if anyone followed that election, um, there are general positions taken in Congress, both being long-term uh, Congress people, uh, have been pretty much uh, exactly alike. So the only thing they had left in their bag was to uh, go in at ad hominem com- comments, and they really took off the kid gloves. They went after each other the way a Republican would go after them in a, in a comparable election. So uh, it was interesting to see that. I, I'm not sure how the, the voting population in the city, in New York City, uh, determined Nadler was better than Maloney, but uh, I'm glad to see her out. I'm certainly not glad to see Nadler come back in. Yeah, you know what? Uh, they, they had a lot of material to work with in terms of making ad hominem attacks against one another. But, you know, as I reflect on this, how could how could, how could could anybody choose worse candidates than the two of them? They're just awful. I, I don't I mean, Carolyn Maloney referred to Jerry Nadler as a grotesque little bowling pin, and he called her dried-up peroxide hag. No, <laughs> they didn't say that. I'm, I'm making that up. <laughs> I, I just needed a moment to be able to insert my own thought there. But, uh, no, I mean, it's, it's uh, incredible the, uh, the type of candidates that the Democrats field, and then uh, re-elect, re-elect for, for 10, 15 15, 20, sometimes 20 years in the House of Representatives. Uh, it's just an amazing process to watch. In Florida, unless you have something else you want no, to add about no, no, that no. Maloney thing. No, uh, no, no. Move on. Let's start. Uh, Charlie Crist, uh, I think as expected, uh, uh, won the uh, Democrat primary for the, uh, for the governor's slot in Florida. Uh, you talk about a man being reprocessed and uh, changing his stripes multiple times over over a, I, I don't know how long, probably his career, 25 years in politics now, may, maybe more, Bob. Uh, but, but Charlie Crist, uh, once again, has emerged as the, uh, the challenger uh, to the great Ron DeSantis in, in Florida. Uh, the polls at this point give him no chance, but uh, again, the polls are the polls. Uh, we'll see how it plays out. If, if Ron DeSantis ever lost in Florida, that would be such an, an amazing and, and uh, incredible uh, negative turn that it's hard to imagine. 
But you know, it's, it's, it's you know, Andy, I do. I'd say this that uh, I would prefer the analogy of a chameleon as opposed to a zebra. <laughs> He doesn't change his stripes. He is just unbelievable. I just don't understand. Uh, he says that the, Demo- he, uh, he, the Republican Party left him. He didn't leave the Republican Party. It's just, uh, and now he's on the wrong side of the of the of the scale again. So <clears throat> it's just unbelievable. Yeah, I mean the man has just absolutely no pride, as far as I'm concerned. There's a a saying from somebody famous. Maybe it was Noel Coward or uh, uh, Oscar Wilde, one of those uh, uh, pithy types who said they never, ever trust a man who has a tan. So, I mean, that, that was always true with Shelley, Chris. It's a good, <laughs> <So>, good point. <laughs> it, it was one of those two fellows, Bob, that said that. Uh, another interesting result that uh, I am pleased to see, Matt Gates won, but not just won. He won by uh, 45 points in his, uh, in his uh, primary battle. Uh, so I think that's a, an optimistic sign that uh, Americans can push aside the uh, the uh, the invented negatives towards the Republicans and uh, and Matt Gates uh, won the Republican primary in his district. So uh, that was good. That was good news. And Trump um, Trump had by the way Trump had a clean sweep last night again. So his he's got like two hundred and twenty. Uh, endorsements and he's lost like 10 or 17 votes something like that it's just amazing what he, what he's accomplished well apparently you don't read the leftist media that have uh, trump's uh endorsements you know uh, falling by like by the wayside i mean it's just <laughs> amazing he's like 210 and 7 i think i'm not sure the exact number yeah yeah uh but again they they build on these individual losses and uh, make it into something that demonstrates a negative towards donald trump uh, it's amazing in a general sense, the, the consistent attack on this man, and I know that's, that's a reality. I know every, uh, every Republican and conservative knows that, uh, but it, nevertheless, as it occurs day in, day out, it still amazes me that they're able to do this. Willing to do it, perhaps, is better. It's true. It's true, Andy. So, I mean, you wrote some three great columns, uh, and I hope we can talk about them today. Because one is about- I really want to get to. I have a couple more things before we move on about the uh, the primaries. <clears throat> just just to to mention, uh, Val Demings uh, won the Democrat uh, nomination uh, in the to Marco Rubio in November. Uh, the thing that I think is worth noting: the most recent poll. Uh, Demings head-to-head with Rubio shows Demings ahead by four or five percentage points. Uh, it's just beyond the uh, statistical potential for, for uh, inaccuracy. Uh, so this is a, a worrisome trend. It's a poll, as I always say. Uh, nevertheless, a, uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a worrisome number at this point. I'm optimistic that it will change, but right now I think we have to keep a, we have to keep a real eye on that. Yeah, I mean, the uh, poll, again, it depends on the makeup of the poll, and I have real questions about Val Demings and in any way uh, threatening Marco Rubio's uh, seat, but we'll see how that, you're right, we need to be vigilant and we need to be uh, aware of what's going on. I I think her coming out from the, uh, being the police chief of Orlando uh, may in fact uh, give her some strength. Uh, It would seem to indicate on the surface someone who is a law and order candidate. Of course, we, we know that is not necessarily an absolute alignment, uh, that law enforcement uh, will be in favor of law enforcement. Right. Uh, so uh, let's see how it plays out. One, one more um, 
campaign that was given a lot of national press, and that was New York's 19th congressional district, a, uh, a race between the, uh, the Ulster um, uh, chairperson and Mark Mullen, Paul Ryan, I'm sorry, Pat Ryan, and the Dutchess um, County uh, chairperson, Mark Molinaro. That election was touted as being the first real head-to-head indication of the comparative strengths of the Democrats and the Republicans going into the 2022 mm-hmm. midterms. Uh, the basis for that is it's historically been a red district. Uh, Clinton carried it. Uh, in 2016, Trump carried it by by seven points in 2020. Uh, so, uh, but again, to have Ryan emerge uh, victorious over Molinaro, a very close race now, only two two percentage points. But nevertheless, the the way it was being positioned was that it would be the bellwether uh, national election to determine the the general trends in terms of what's happening in the uh, the, the House races, Bob. So interesting. Uh, Andy, I tell you what, let's uh, take a little break right now and uh, come back and talk about your columns. Can we do I that? I have to sip on some coffee. Bob. All right. <laughs> We're going to have more here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Do you have questions about your retirement? Ameriprise Private Wealth Advisor Jason Nardella with Nardella Financial Group, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, can help. With the exclusive Confident Retirement Approach, you'll work together to develop a retirement roadmap to get you where you want to go. Call Nardella Financial Group today at 239-325-1041. That's 239-325-1041. Office is located at 9015 Stratospel Court, Suite 103, Naples, Florida. The Confident Retirement Approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Finish what you started with a Hodges University wheel. You can complete your bachelor's degree in as little as one year with your previously earned credits. What's the wheel? It's a customized bachelor's degree in organizational management. Learn about and apply the business, management, and leadership skills you need to advance your career. You can get unmatched educational experience with classes held once a week on campus in Fort Myers, in Port Charlotte, or Naples. You'll be immersed in classes taught by professors with real-world experience in the areas of business, management, and leadership. This degree can be applied to all areas of professional career. Learn more by calling 239-938-7700. That's 239-938-7700. Or visit Hodges.edu. Stay near and go far with Hodges University. Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. We're providing you news and commentary rooted in a commitment to individual liberty, personal responsibility, limited government, and the rule of law. We continue our conversation with Andrew Joppa, professor and author of Josephus of Oz. Again, Andy, thank you so much for joining us. 
Good morning. For your audience, Bob just mentioned to me off air that we're cutting in and out a little bit, so I've uh, turned off all the electronics around me, so I'm sitting here in the dark right now just to, to try to make sure the connection is as good as I can make it, Bob. <laughs> well, Andy, thank you so much for that. Hey, any uh, any more observations before we move on to your columns? Um, yeah, I mean, Fauci is uh, retiring, or some people describe it as fleeing, uh, the probably the negative view coming from the the conservative Republican side is that he's trying to uh, move on before the Republicans take control of of Congress, uh, and he I guess he would predict or presume that they'll take legal action, certainly justified legal action against them. I think there are few people, and I don't want to be overly dramatic, few people in the history of the world that have been as destructive as as has Tony Fauci. Right. Uh, his gain of function. Um, funding in, in Wuhan to start with, and it, it, as an end result of his total involvement, there's been a total loss of confidence, uh, not only in the medical institutions of America, but it extends into all of the institutions of America. So I think he has been an incredibly destructive force. Uh, he has suppressed legitimate uh, therapies like ivermectin and uh, hydroxychloroquine and uh, just uh, dampen the, the economy significantly and uh, suppressed educational process by closing down schools. I mean, I, obviously, I could go on and on with this. Most most in your audience know these things. Yeah, uh, and, and how about how about the continuing negative force, Bob? Yeah, how about the continuing deaths of people who've taken the vaccine? Uh, the unexpected deaths of those. Uh, I think they'll probably suppress this and they'll try and uh, make sure that the link between that and the deaths <clears throat> and the vaccine don't don't occur. But I think it's real. I think there is an absolute uh, measured reality. I've read, as you have, I know, uh, several studies on this. Uh, there's absolutely no reason to deny, uh, it scientifically, if, uh, if Fauci considers himself science itself, uh, no reason to deny these uh, these side effects, uh, lingering side effects, I might add, not just things that, that happen in a moment, but right. there, there's every indication that these can be in some way <coughs> lifelong side effects that permanently damage or at least affect the individual who's who's had these shots and boosters Bob. absolutely and uh, repressing uh, the the immune system just all kinds of fallout as a result of it so uh we may not know for years what the total fallout is but, um, by the way i'm almost to my, almost to my blogs but let me uh, there's a few other issues the uh the way paul pelosi was treated uh, uh they they gave him his breathalyzer test two hours after uh, after his car accident uh, I saw the the, uh, the video cam. He, he stumbled out of his car. He, he had a hold on to the police car to stand up. Uh, obviously, highly intoxicated. They take the uh, the breathalyzer two hours later. It puts him just below the felony line, uh, and so he uh, he escaped with five days uh, incarceration, of which he's already served four. So I mean, essentially one one overnight, and Paul Pelosi goes home a free man. So. Uh, special treatment, absolutely. And as a matter of fact, uh, he defined himself immediately to the police uh, as being a high-profile person. Uh, he did not ask for favoritism, but certainly when you bring up that characteristic to a uh, to an officer uh, who has stopped you for, for driving irregularly, you're asking for special treatment. And in the long run, uh, he got it. I think there's no one surprised by that at this point. Um, just let me, anything else before I get where I was going? Ah, I wanted to mention, I'm about halfway through Jared Kushner's new book, ah. which is Breaking History, a White House memoir. 
uh, and it's just an, a fascinating read uh, for those um, media people who have said that they're, that Kushner's on the outs with uh, with President Trump. Uh, it doesn't show up in this book. I mean, uh, Kushner has a deep admiration, and the relationship uh, with Trump was uh, highest level. Uh, it's a very interesting read to get an insider's look at the White House during the Trump administration, and, and I highly rec- recommend the book. It's very hard for conservative readers to know from this uh, vast number of books that are published which to, to invest in. This is one that I think is is worth putting your dollars into, Bob. Yeah, well, thank you for that, Andy. I've got so many books right now sitting on my ledge <laughs> to, to read, but I'll put that one on the list. Well, I mean, that's exactly the way I am. I'm, but I've always said that uh, m- most books uh, have about 300 words that are worth knowing. Yeah. The question is, can you extract them without reading the whole book? And sometimes you can, sometimes you can't. Uh, so, yeah, I, I'm in the same position. It doesn't mean we haven't read the books, because, again, as I just indicated, the essential idea can be extracted with a, a few hundred words. And so, But this is not true of the Kushner book. Right. Kushner's book has such an ongoing uh, chronological presentation of the flow of what was going on in the White House. It's just a, a, a great insider's look, especially if you happen to be a Trump devotee, as, as I am, Bob. Yeah, okay. Um, okay. Uh, I published, and you've alluded to them, and I appreciate that, Bob, and you published them, I know. I published three blogs uh, since our last meeting uh, past this past Wednesday. Uh, the first one I'm going to talk to, because it has the most immediacy, most currency, uh, is, the, um, uh, is the blog that I titled, If the GOP Doesn't Win in 2022, Then What? Mm-hmm. In other words, if we do not take the House and or the Senate, what happens at that point? Um, as I survey the probabilities of um, combinations of Democrat and House wins and uh, Republican wins, uh, the way the numbers play out is a 47 percent uh, that the Republicans will take the House, the Democrats, the Senate. 47 percent for that combination now. Uh, 39 percent for the uh, Republicans taking the House and the Senate. 39 percent, pretty high. Uh, 20%, and this is the one that worries me, 20% uh, probability that the Democrats take both the House and the Senate. Now, mm. that is the combination that I'm, I'm referring to uh, when I say if the GOP doesn't win in 2022, what happens then, or then what happens? Uh, that 20% where the Democrats take both the House and the Senate is extremely worrisome. Sure. If I extend the analysis to the uh, the polling process for Republicans and Democrats' uh, favorites, uh, the polling question being that, uh, the Trafalgar poll uh, shows the Republicans up 47 to 42. By the way, I, tra- I use the Trafalgar poll because that is the most dramatic difference uh, in favor of the Republicans, 47 to 42. All are closer. The Economist, now that's an uh, international economics magazine that I, I subscribe to, um, is 38 to 44 for the Democrats. Huh. Uh, so again, that's, those are, that particular number is worrisome to me, 38 to 44, 44% over 38, favoring the Democrats over the Republicans. That's a worrisome number. If I look at the trending in this area, um, uh, four months ago, the Republicans had been up in these polls by 4%. 
4%. Right now, the recent uh, combined average of these polls, uh, the Republicans are up point two, uh, two tenths of 1%. Two tenths of 1%. Now, that's a dramatic movement. And, and of course, polls can be challenged. Who is being polled? Uh, all of the questions need to be answered. But if we're going to show concern, the polls have to have the possibility of implication, and that's how I see them. Yeah. If we add to this, Bob, for example, there are far more women registering uh, than men. Uh, if we look getting back to the, uh, to the uh, Ryan Molinaro run in the New York 19th Congressional District, that was apparently won on Ryan's advocacy for pro-abortion. So if we're looking at more women registering, and we presume that is constructed of a population also driven to register by the pro-abortion stance, again, I'm not suggesting dire outcomes uh, in the House, particularly for the Republicans, but I am suggesting it certainly is not a, a open and shut deal as it was being projected uh, just a month ago or so, Bob. Interesting. I, I'm less concerned about the polls than I am about the possible cheating in some of these states <laughs> that that occurred in the 2020 election. So uh, that would be another factor well, as well. This, this is a comment I always make when I'm <clears throat> discussing this with anyone. Uh, uh, the the unspoken elephant in the room, as we discuss all of these elections and the uh, the future, is the uh, the legality. And uh, I I don't see it being. Uh, seriously addressed. I, uh, in some areas, they've done a few things, but nothing, nothing that would shut down uh, the the uh, voting by mail, the the early voting. I think I maybe you know the state has already started early voting yeah. uh, for the November election. So uh, the possibility of cheating always get enhanced as the ease of voting becomes becomes greater and greater. And certainly that is the tendency right now, Bob. Absolutely. Andy, I want to take just another break before we uh, continue on with your column. Can you stick I'm around? Here, Bob. All right. We're going to have more here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. For more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Finish what you started with the Hodges University wheel. You can complete your bachelor's degree in as little as one year with your previously earned credits. What's the wheel? It's a customized bachelor's degree in organizational management. Learn about and apply the business, management, and leadership skills you need to advance your career. You can get unmatched educational experience with classes held once a week on campus in Fort Myers, in Port Charlotte, or Naples. You'll be immersed in classes taught by professors with real-world experience in the areas of business, management, and leadership. This degree can be applied to all areas of professional career. Learn more by calling 239-938-7700. That's 239-938-7700. Or visit Hodges.edu. Stay near and go far with Hodges University.
Do you suffer from joint pain in your shoulders, hips, or knees? I was suffering from debilitating pain in my knees. On a referral, I saw Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine. He successfully treated my symptoms and pain for several months. Finally, having exhausted all alternatives for pain management, Dr. Markovich and I agreed that surgery was my best alternative. Dr. Markovich replaced both of my knees in 2006, and I now have full range of motion in both knees, and I have no pain. I now play golf and exercise free of debilitating pain in my knees. Don't suffer needlessly with joint pain. Call orthopedic surgeon Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine at 482-5399. That's 482-5399. He did a great job for me, and he'll help you too. Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability, creating policies and programs to get able-bodied folks off of welfare and back to work. It's a moral imperative, and you can find out more by visiting the website, thefga.org. We continue the conversation with Andy Joppa, a professor and author of Josepha Savaz. Andy, again, thank you so much for joining us. I'm glad to be here, Bob. Staying with the the column, uh, if the GOP doesn't win, um, let me just uh, allude to the fact that uh, the the media, of course, said that the Mar-a-Lago affair would would hurt uh, Donald Trump, certainly going into the 2024 presidentials. Um, He's raised millions more beyond (coughs) expectation since Mar-a-Lago. So, if anything, the polling is is higher for Donald Trump, uh, and his fundraising is dramatically increased since Mar-a-Lago. So uh, I think the end result um, will be, uh, in general, uh, favorable towards uh, towards Donald Trump. I hope that's true. Certainly, it seems to be right. Um, McConnell is uh, seems to be doing all he can to uh, to damage the Senate chances, uh, uh, labeling uh, some of the Republican Senate. A candidate, Herschel Walker, Dr. Oz, as as being bad candidates. I mean, does he ever does he ever talk that way about Democrats? Never, Bob. Never. Well, this I is mean, this is all about this all is all of his negatives for Republicans. Well, all all of this has to do with trying to be. He's a, a institutional Republican, a, a, a rhino, and he's trying to uh, abort. He's trying to. Uh, uh, interrupt the uh, flow of candidates that are being supported by Donald Trump. Well, there's no doubt about that. And, and for him personally, it doesn't matter whether the the, uh, the Republicans take the take the Senate. He, you know, he'll stay in as the minority leader, and uh, his life won't won't change. He has very little to gain by it. So, uh, I don't think there's any motivational enthusiasm uh, by McConnell. I don't see him. Certainly, I don't see him fighting hard for the Senate. Um, and again, when you say the, re- the Republicans have bad candidates, I, I, I don't know by what standard, as compared certainly uh, to the Democrat candidates. So uh, McConnell, is, um, he's, he did a great job uh, keeping Garland out of the Supreme Court. But other than that, I, I find it difficult to find a, a good moment for, for Mitch McConnell. But, you know, let's see how the Senate plays out. Um, Let's see. Oh, there was one other issue that I had written about as a result of the Republicans losing the 20 percent possibility, losing the House and Senate. And that is the 
uh, I'm going to say not just possibility, but the necessity of creating a third party. Uh, I define it as the America First Party. Now, I know the general reaction is third parties are never successful. Uh, they are always just spoiler parties. But on the other hand, do we really want to ride this Republican Party that was not able to deliver a victory in Congress as a end result of, at that point, two of the worst years in American history that have been authored by the Democrats. If the Republican Party cannot get that done, I fail to see, Bob, their, their reason to exist. Right now, the American First Party, at this point, headed by, of course, Donald Trump, is already in place. It already has 80 million members. Right. Uh, so this isn't one of these splinter uh, parties, the Green Party, for example. This is a party that, in fact, exists. Uh, if the Republicans lose, and it is a big if, if they lose in November, I think they have forfeited their right to be the, uh, the opposition party. I think we need something else, Bob. Uh, I, you know, I, I certainly understand your point. I, t to me, it seems to me that the uh, uh, Trump is uh, morphing, changing the uh, GOP party right now. He's pushing out the rhinos. The, the one-party system guys and, uh, and, and women, and he's uh, creating and having a lot of victories right now within the Republican Party. I'll remind you that, you know, the Democrat Party actually had a, a schism uh, in it, and uh, that represented Bernie Sanders in the far left and uh, what I'll call the institutional Democrats. Well, they moved too far to the left, uh, but they was basically to preserve everybody in the same party and under the same tent. So, uh, uh, they, of course, the, the results of that have been awful. Well, look, I would like to be as optimistic as, as, as you are, and I, by the way, that's not a, a sarcastic comment. I know, I, really, I know. <laughs> I really would like to uh, be that. Uh, if we look at the, the situation right now uh, as it exists, the reality of the party, certainly the comments you made are, are valid. Uh, on the other hand, um, I, I've seen this party just uh, yield to the Democrats, uh, join them in, in so many cases, um, so I... If nothing else, Bob, the, even the suggestion of the possibility of an American first third party, I think at least might challenge uh, McConnell and some of the other uh, elitist Republicans uh, to reconsider uh, the, their focus, reconsider the direction they're taking. I mean, for, for whatever it's worth, I just wrote to Ron DeSantis and, and said, Ron, please, please say that you will not directly challenge Donald Trump in 2024. I don't think he will. I think I've, I've written a blog on that in the past. Uh, but again, I see uh, so many that are advocating for a DeSantis challenge to Trump. I can't think of anything that would be more disastrous to this party. And by the way, I love Ron DeSantis. Yeah. Nothing would be more disastrous to this party or to the, to the country. Uh, than a direct challenge of Donald Trump by Ron DeSantis. Well, you know, Ron DeSantis is a very wise person. I would suggest the possibilities of him deciding to to take on Trump in the uh, for the Republican nomination, I think, are slim and none. So I I, 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 I totally agree with you, Bob. Um, I, I really do, and, and uh, I, I think it's uh, so unlikely that I would have to reassess my whole opinion of Ron DeSantis if he chose to do that, and he won't. Yeah, I, I know he won't. 
but again, that is the the way the media is presenting this, and that includes not just uh, the leftist media, but also the uh, the rhino media that uh, that is anti-Trump. Right. So when people present this challenge of DeSantis Trump, what they are trying to do is diminish Donald Trump. That is their that is always. Uh, the unspoken part of whatever they're doing at this point, Bob. Absolutely. So uh, uh, do you want to start on another column, or should we take our break right now? Uh, take your break. Let me get some coffee. And, uh, um, all right. Back. We'll be right back here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. you have questions about your retirement, Ameriprise Private Wealth Advisor Jason Nardella with Nardella Financial Group, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, can help. With the exclusive Confident Retirement Approach, you'll work together to develop a retirement roadmap to get you where you want to go. Call Nardella Financial Group today at 239-325-1041. That's 239-325-1041. Office is located at 9015 Stratistel Court, Suite 103, Naples, Florida. The Confident Retirement Approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Blue Provence Restaurant is a favorite dining destination for many Neapolitans, including Linda and myself. Blue Provence, located in a historic building in the heart of Old Naples at Creighton Cove, offers a mix of French bistro cooking with bold, fresh Floridian flavors. Experience award-winning cuisine at Blue Provence and enjoy one of Florida's most extensive, eclectic, and fun wine cellars. Dining your choice of the popular Eden Bar, the intimate courtyard garden, or the beautiful Provencal Caribbean dining room. Enjoy a wonderful and memorable evening in a casual and relaxed atmosphere that includes a taste of Provencal hospitality. Blue Provence is open seven days a week, all year round. Visit blueprovencenaples.com for reservations, everyday specials, and coming events. That's blueprovencenaples.com or call 261-8239. That's 261-8239. Blue Provence French Restaurant in the heart of Old Naples. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Gulf Shore Playhouse, bringing you professional New York-style theater at its very best and building a 44,000-square-foot performing arts center in downtown Naples. It's going to be fantastic, and you can find out more and get tickets by visiting the website golfshoreplayhouse.org. We continue the conversation with Andrew Joppa, professor and author of Josephus of Oz. Again, Andy, thank you so much for joining us. It's good to be with you. Hey, Andy, you wrote a piece about uh, perfect human systems are never perfect. Tell us about that. Occasionally I I dabble in what I would call uh, philosophic departures uh, within a political environment. Uh, Sometimes I think those are more important than the day-to-day issues that we, we talk about. Uh, in terms of perfect human systems and ever perfect, what that uh, blog or essay highlights is the fact that every system or every human being as a system is never uh, perfect. 
is absolute perfection. For example, if a machine is absolutely perfect, it would be a perpetual motion machine. But there's always drag. There's always friction. So you have what's called, uh, actually, I've, I've created this whole process, what's called the perfection of possibility. In other words, considering the drag in a system, what is the most perfect that a system or a perfect can be? Now, what the Democrats do and what utopians always do is they pick out the imperfections of a system, the imperfections of a man, and they make those the totality of the system or the man. That's done, been, been happening, as you know, consistently right. with Donald Trump. So their model is always one of, in fact, isolating on the imperfections, which, as I was indicating, are always there mm -hmm. in every system, in every human being. But the Democrats highlight those and totally ignore uh, that Donald Trump in my estimation, had reached the possibility of perfection. In other words, considering the drag around him, Donald Trump was perfect. Now, I know those are dramatic statements, but within the context of my discussion, uh, I think that, could, that can be understood. If we look at the uh, current uh, challenges, there were just two uh, uh, Ivy League professors that indicated they wanted the jettison of the American Constitution. Yeah. And they highlight negatives here and there. Whether someone agrees with those negatives is really not that important. What is important is that nothing is perfect. So there will always be these imperfections. The Democrats focus on these few imperfections, and as they do that, they are willing to jettison the entire baby with the bathwater in this case. Um, I'm not saying this is a possibility of something happening. But again, I hear more and more and more negatives about the Constitution built around that same model. Uh, so again, high, focusing only on negatives, ignoring the positives, and trying to eliminate uh, those people or institutions in that model, Bob. Well, you know, uh, it, I think there is some reality in what you're saying because you're absolutely right in your description of utopian, uh, leftist utopian models, but uh, what's going on right now in Davos and this whole global movement right now, the whole notion is they're trying to put together the perfect system that goes beyond uh, capitalism and so forth. It's just really scary that it, uh, so many people are buying in, and I'm talking about uh, world leaders like uh, Macron and others. Well, again, it's another one of these situations where it, it, it has no negative impact on them. In fact, most of it is financially positive. That's why they, they move for these new system directions. Uh, and again, uh, in, the, in the process, they are trying to uh, jettison, and I'll use the same word again, they're trying to jettison uh, economic political systems that have taken 10,000 years of human history uh, to evolve, right. to, to create. And, and by so doing, they're moving us into uh, untried, untested areas of economics, untried and untested areas of politics. Uh, this is utopianism at its very very worse, Bob. Uh, if anyone is interested in that general topic, uh, I would recommend Mark Levin's book, which uh, came out several years ago, uh, Ameritopia, where Mark uh, Levin describes, uh, as he always can, in, in great detail, uh, the dangers of anyone who is pursuing a utopian end result. Well, and I'll suggest that the, our Constitution, uh, while imperfect in many ways, has taken into account the uh, flaws and the warts and pimples of uh, human beings and uh, created a perfect system, I think, to, uh, to account for the uh, imperfection of humanity. And, uh, you know, it's, it's served us well for 240 years.
Well, that, that's why it doesn't age. Human behavior doesn't change. The, the general uh, tendencies of, uh, <clears throat> of dictators and of the mob, the democracy, the full democracy that the, uh, the founders really, really loathed, uh, these things don't change. These, these realities of, of humans and the, the end result of fanatical group process, uh, these things don't train, uh, change. And uh, so the, the Constitution has an age that has proved its wisdom over the last uh, 200 plus years uh, to even consider jettisoning it or getting rid of it or seriously modifying it uh, is, is, a, is a very, very dangerous direction to go in. I would say uh, it's impossible to do that. On the other hand, over the last year or so, I have said it's impossible a dozen times and been proven wrong. Uh, it's no longer impossible. I find nothing, no matter how negative it is, is, is any longer impossible in this society. Yeah, well, Reagan said we're one generation away from losing our freedom. And uh, boy, what we're watching around us all right now with regard to the increase of the police state he definitely was right, and we need to do the right things to save it. Andy, before, with the little time we have, I was wondering if you could make some comments on uh, the moral imperative. Yeah, this, again, to me now, is, is, an, is an important area. Uh, nations control, in the very best sense of control, control the, uh, the actions of the people in their, uh, in their nations, with one of two imperatives, the, the concept of the categorical imperative comes from uh, Immanuel Kant. It's a, uh, a, a pressure to act in a certain direction, a categorical imperative. Um, nations typically have two. Uh, they, they have the, the, the legal imperative, which is people uh, do what the government wants uh, under threat of punishment, under threat of fines. Uh, so there's no uh, commitment to the, the action. Uh, there is just the attempt by the citizen to avoid punishment. That is the, the legal imperative. Uh, almost all nations have that, the legal imperative. The moral imperative is that the legal imperative is not what causes people to do the right thing. The moral imperative is the, the people identify and understand the right thing uh, and will act in that manner regardless of punishment. Uh, at this point, uh, the point I make, and people can agree or not, but America has lost entirely the right and the existence of the moral imperative. Yeah. At this point, I think we function almost entirely within the legal imperative. We don't do it because we're afraid of the law, Bob. Yeah, I think exactly uh, right, Andy. I think that's such an important point, too, is that uh, we, can, we can bring it back. I think we can... Uh, get back on board and have people go, you know, when I go to a, I, I had the privilege of actually being an MC for a Trump uh, rally before he was elected in 2016. The joy that people were experiencing there, I mean, it was, to me, it was just amazing how much, how hopeful people were. And when, you know, when people, they, they just get behind the president because they really believe he is bringing the, the government and the, the, uh, the nation back to them in terms of returning to the power to the people. There's no doubt. In 2016, I made 12 presentations on, uh, well, they weren't supposed to be on anything uh, except politics, but they were on Donald Trump. And the enthusiasm in the audience was just outstanding. When I started to talk about Donald Trump uh, in a positive way, without any uh, embellishments about this problem or that problem, the audience would stand up and cheer. Yep. This was 2016. I think they would do the same thing, maybe even more so, uh, in 2022, Bob. 
I think so as well, Andy. I tell you, this has just been a great conversation. I'm going to encourage our listeners to uh, go to the website, my website, uh, and uh, there's a pull-down tab at the pa- at the top of the website. Correct me if I'm wrong. And there you'll find all of Andy's past columns. Uh, yeah, not all of them, but most of them. And uh, the last three, I think, are the ones that are focused on this conversation today. I hope you'll take a look at them. Andy, always appreciate your commentary here in the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Talk to you soon, Bob. Thank you so much. All right, well, that's a wrap here in today's show. I hope you enjoyed it. We're going to talk a little bit about education tomorrow. Michael Cannon will join us. He's the uh, Director of Health Policy Studies at the Cato Institute. Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government, and Bill Barnett, former mayor of Naples, will be with us as well. I always appreciate your comments on the show. You can send me an email at bobharden at hotmail.com, bobharden at hotmail.com. And also, if you enjoy the show, tell your friends. Uh, I, I think they would enjoy it as well and certainly help our advertisers as well. I hope you make it a great day on the Paradise Coast or wherever you are. Namaste. Thanks so much for listening to the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. For more information and audio files of previous shows, visit www.bobharden.com. <laughs>